Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast, and today I hope people going through transitions hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast, and I have a very special guest with me today, Mr. Danny Park. Hey. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Um, and I actually, there were a few things I wanted to talk to you about because just kind of getting to know you and getting to know your story, I realized that you've gone through a lot of transitions in your life. Yeah. And... <laughs> Some of them seem pretty extreme to me. What 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 are, what are the extreme ones to <laughs> yeah. you? So the I guess I guess the first one uh, we can talk about is your career move because mm -hmm. um, you you are now a mortgage broker. Yeah, I uh, am a mortgage loan officer broker, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I do right now. Yeah. So, so what exactly is that? Like, what is your job? Um, I pretty much help customers or clients finance their home mm. um i'm their go-to guy uh their mediary between the customer and the bank mm -hmm. um i do all the negotiating for rates make sure my clients are getting the absolute oh. best rates available um and you know if you were to just go through a bank which you can do you talk to just one person at the bank mm -hmm. but they're going to look out for the best interest of their bank right whereas a broker will look out for the best interest of the client i see i see right. so you're not the bank per se right because you're kind of taking the loan needs of a client, mm -hmm. bringing it to the bank and saying, they Correct. need this amount of money yeah, and I want this kind of rate. For Pretty that. much, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I do. Um, kind of just connect people to the bank rather than, you know, them having to shop for, you know, go to Bank of America, go to Wells Fargo, go to Chase. I just do it all for them. Oh, so mm -hmm. you, you don't even just go to one bank. There's many. No, there's many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Mm -hmm. What's kind of your go-to bank? Um, I go to like these smaller banks, like Center State Bank. Um, they're a bank in Georgia. They primarily focus on mortgage loans, mm. but they use brokers like us because, you know, there's clientele that they just can't reach. So right. they'd rather have brokers, middlemen that they pay to find more clients for them. Oh, especially yeah. for the smaller banks. They probably don't yeah, have definitely, yeah. that much mm -hmm. of a, I guess, presence in Correct. a lot of communities. Yeah. I see, I see. And so that that's really interesting to me and just having met you while you were a mortgage broker mm -hmm. it made sense yeah. but learning like what your kind of career before it seemed like a huge jump like it just in a completely different industry yeah completely different even thing that you're doing yeah so, so prior to this what, what were you doing um i was working at a uh phone store mm -hmm. it's uh, a phone store operated by verizon so mm -hmm. i was working for verizon um, pretty much just retail sales and dealing with the day-to-day, -day, you know, customers that walk in with phone issues, mm. people who need to buy a new phone, um, come into, you know, add lines right. or whatever they need to do. Yeah. So uh, how long were you there at Verizon? I was there three and a half years. Three and, a, and yeah. I guess I, I actually don't know this, but what did you study in college? I studied marketing. Marketing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So all three <laughs> of those things like i'm not sure how to line that up because it doesn't line up for me in my head so yeah from studying marketing yeah, going yeah. into working like a sales rep position uh -huh. at verizon yeah, yeah, yeah that that seems oh he made a different career choice <laughs> and then going from there to mortgage broker yeah it's another huge leap right yeah so i just i'm actually curious are there any common threads something that you learned in marketing that you were able to use in both verizon and as a mortgage broker um i think when it really comes down to it it's really people skills and sales mm. um 
So no matter what job I was in, it's you know it's a different job title and a different atmosphere, mm. but ultimately, bottom line, it was sales. I see. So um, having been a marketing major and taking marketing courses, I kind of knew how to approach sales a little bit differently and um, kind of like the psychology behind sales and how to win over customers and mm. playing with your emotions a little bit in a sales transaction. All right. Um, so although it was different, um, with Verizon, you had customers that walk in through the doors and this new job, the mortgage thing, yeah. you have to really go and find your customers. So Oh, I see. I see. Very different, but also very similar. I see. Yeah. So, so what motivated your move from Verizon to this completely, I'm, I'm assuming was unknown mm-hmm. territory for you at the time, right? Yeah, completely unknown. Um, I met this guy, my boss now, uh-huh. um, when I was getting my home loan. Okay. So I went to, you know, bring in my tax returns, my pay stubs with Verizon to this guy in yeah. his office. And, you know, he, I don't know, maybe he just kind of liked the way I was well prepared with all my docs beforehand. I knew everything that I needed for mm. a mortgage. Um, so he was just like, hey, do you want to come work for me? Oh, wow. And, you know, I knew that it was a fully commission based job. So yeah. it was very, it was a very big decision, I think, um, you know, having a wife and yeah. you know now i have a son but yeah, yeah but wow, wow. it's very difficult but i think i made the right choice yeah yeah so i mean because I, I see you on instagram you're doing big things but the move from a steady paycheck uh-huh. well was there any commission involved with Verizon? it wasn't but there, there was a base pay as well so it was pretty steady i knew at least you know i'm gonna take home at least this much every right month. Yeah. right so going from a steady paycheck mm-hmm. to Doing something where it's almost 100% commission and also something that you haven't done before. Uh-huh. How did you convince your wife to let you do this? At the time, were you expecting at the time when you made the move? No, I made the move and then we found out okay, like okay. a week after. And <laughs> it's crazy because um, with Verizon being like a Fortune 50 company, yeah. they have great health benefits, 401ks. And I knew going into this mortgage business, I would have to leave all that behind. Yeah. Um, so there was definitely a big, um, I had to sell my wife on it on it as well. Right, you know, right. It's, it's a sales job, but, um, <laughs> there were long nights where we talked about it. Um, but ultimately I think at the end of the day, she was more concerned about my health than my overall happiness. Mm. And she knew I wasn't happy doing retail sales and I, I don't know many people who are. Right. Um, you know, you work. You do get to go into work a little bit later, but you're also going to stay there very late, right? Um, which can take a toll on your body. Um, and dealing with retail level customers, mm. man, some of them are, they're just so different. Like you wouldn't speak to someone like that when you're, you know, if I was at a bar, I was a bartender, right. you would never speak to me like that. Right. But for whatever reason in a real retail environment, I feel like people just can say whatever they want and get away with a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. dang. So going into your new mortgage broker job did you kind of have to plan out i might not be making money for the first few months so we need to kind of budget mm-hmm. or did you did you have any of those financial plans going into it or did um, you just take the leap well i cashed out my 401k because oh, okay. i wasn't going to be able to contribute to it anyway from the new company mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but good thing i stayed that verizon for enough time to be fully vested in that mm. Um, so I did have some savings set aside. But when you cash out your 401k yeah. though, did, did you have to have, were there like tax penalties? So when you cash out your 401k and I 
don't recommend you do that if <laughs> uh-huh. you know if at all possible uh-huh. um they consider that as earned income for the year oh. so for 2019 is the year when i cashed it out mm. i get it i got a 1099 recently saying hey this is extra income that, that you, you earned uh, but they do give you the option hey do you want to pay some taxes on this right now mm. so i said yeah take some taxes out so I that see. i don't have to pay too much yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. oh i see okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah and so you you had kind of that as a safety nest correct while you're kind of getting mm-hmm. acclimated to yeah. the mortgage broker. so how long did it take for you to really get into the groove of being a mortgage broker because i'm sure it wasn't like you were you hit the ground running right? no absolutely not man um i don't know people listening who might have you know received a message from me i went on like a rampage the first month like oh. i'm gonna message everyone i can to let them know my career change mm. um because, I mean, with a mortgage, you're not going to start off just, you know, with a line of customers. You're going to have to really build a book of business. Mm. Um, so I, for me, I expected it to happen right away. Just me being me. <laughs> I, I, I tend to think that, you know, I overthink and I'm overconfident in a lot of things and think, hey, I'm going to just make it happen. But mm. which wasn't the case. Um, but I'd say it took at least a good four to six months until it wow. really started kind of rolling in. Yeah. Mm. So... Of all the people that you messaged of your friend base, mm-hmm. were there a lot that reached back out saying, "Oh, I do need to"? Actually, no, man. No. Yeah, okay. I think wow. I think directly telling someone like that, it's mm. really one of the worst ways to market yourself and approach. Huh. Now that I look back at it, a year, you know, uh-huh. a year now. Well, yeah. What would you say was the most effective ways of you like bringing in customers? Um. For me, I think Instagram works the best, just kind of giving them an insight into what goes on in my mm. life and, you know, kind of just putting myself out there and having people recognize that I do mortgages yeah. in a more indirect way instead of, hey, I'm going to just blow up your inbox and write you a paragraph on my career change. Right. And, you know, I mean, that's exactly what I did. It, it didn't work. Mm. I didn't get any business through that. Mm. So. so more of the broader marketing instead of... Mm-hmm individual messages oh that's good to know that's a good nugget right there okay and so now that you are you're like a year into yeah one year in uh, Mm. how are you are you happy with the change that you made um yeah definitely happier uh are there so i'm assuming the paychecks are bigger yeah right i don't want to disclose your (laughs) your income in any way but i'm assuming just because it is commission-based and knowing how mortgages are i'm sure the paychecks are bigger so that's probably a huge plus now that you have your son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But are there any cons, any, any regrets that you have that you left behind uh, in at Verizon? Um, not really. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I did let go of my health insurance plan mm. that was super cheap and mm. the 401k, but I would let go of those two things in a heartbeat again if, you know, I was going to be happier, right. work less hours and do less work, to be honest with you. Yeah. I see. So do you feel like your health and overall happiness has improved? I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. So, I mean, yeah, this whole, the, the whole career transition is such a, I, me personally, I don't think I could ever do it just because I'm a very fearful and mm. insecure person. So speaking to someone like me, if there were an opportunity for me to be happier in a new job, what are some of the advices that you would give to me to try to either convince me or make me feel better about the jump? Um, kind of things that I told myself too when I made the jump is uh. 
if this doesn't work out, I can go back to work again. I can find uh, something, you know, again. Right. It's really not, you know, a final, final decision. Who knows? I might not do this for, you know, the next 15, 20 years. I could also change again. Right. I think a lot of people, millennials especially, they change jobs more frequently than before. Right. And that's just what I told myself. It's this isn't the end of the story. I could also change again to another job if I have to. Yeah. Right, right. So even if it doesn't work out, right. there's an alternative. Uh, always, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. how I look at it, yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. So so that's one transition. Yeah. That's very fascinating. The other transition, well, b- before I get to the main one I want to talk about, let's talk about uh, the transition from uh, single to married uh-huh. to having a baby. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a huge... I've gone through it. Yeah. It's a huge transition. But I want to ask you... Which transition do you think was easier, going from single to married or going from married to parents? Which one was easier? Yeah. I think being single than being married, I think that was an easier transition than Mm -hmm. married to parent. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the challenges, do you think, going from like married to parent? Just that you don't have that time anymore. I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but your time with your spouse definitely feels, um, I don't even know how to put it. Yeah. No, it's very limited. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, you're so concerned about the baby and the well being of the baby that you really don't look out for each other anymore as much as you did when, you know, you're in lovey dovey honeymoon phase of your marriage. Yeah. Um, so that's really difficult. I think, um, Mm. for both men and women, I I presume. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, with me and Shirley, we definitely do care more about the baby's yeah. well-being. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there are situations where, for example, I'll I'll take AZ out of the car and, and it's raining. So I'm like really concerned about the rain hitting <laughs> her. But over there, my wife is getting drenched. But it's funny in our situation because my wife actually prefers that. She's like, I can take care of myself. You as the father, you take care of your baby. Yeah. But I, I don't know how long that'll last because <laughs> i don't think uh, that's healthy for the marriage in general yeah um to be solely focused on the baby so i have you had any issues with that so far because i i haven't had any issues i've not had yeah. any issues no but mm-hmm. i think i think along the same way as you that i don't know how long this you know way of being married will last either like, right something's got to give yeah um we've either got to do better and have more time and figure something out mm-hmm. um or I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess we're still because Asher is is he four months old now? He'll be five months soon. Yeah, five months. Yeah, because yeah, Aisley just turned seven months today. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> we're still kind of in the very early stages of fatherhood. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I guess we don't. Whose baby do you think that was? That sounds like <laughs> Asher. Or... That was definitely my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, we're still in the midst of the transition, mm-hmm. so it's it'll be interesting to yeah. kind of see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and you want to talk about uh, going from single to married a little bit? Um, so uh, my wife Nadia, she, we dated for about three and a half years before mm-hmm. we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, but that dating life was great. We never argued. We wow. had a great, great relationship and uh, still do uh-huh. um so I, I felt like the only thing left to do was to get married mm. um so you know 
with the blessings of our parents, we decided to get married. And it's been great. Um, this is a girl that I fell head over heels as soon as I saw her. Mm. Um, and definitely, I always feel like she's out of my league. So I feel def- definitely blessed in yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, going from single to being married as well, it's a definitely a, a huge transition, I think. Um, once you start living with that person, yeah, you start to, you know, I think the first month is okay, but starting the second, maybe third month, um, you start seeing, you know, socks on the floor oh, yeah. or, um, you know, cabinets not being closed. And are, are you kind of the more organized, cleaner person in your marriage? I mean, I think we both clean to a certain extent, but I feel very top when things aren't in order. Right. I'm just that type of personality. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm very much like that, yeah. too. And Shirley, this morning, it was crazy. She, she was looking for pants. Uh-huh. And she just goes into the blankets on our bed and she's pulling out multiple clothing items. Oh, yeah. Like she just throws them off and wherever they land, that's their home (laughs) for the next couple of days. So, I mean, I definitely understand you. And that, I think, is one of the biggest adjustments. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I lived, I blame this on my mom. She's a super neat freak, borderline OCD. Uh Uh-huh. So I got some of that. So I I need things to be organized. I need things to be in the place that they're at. I need the cabinets to be closed if they're not being used. Yeah, I don't know why. I just get frustrated if if they're not. Like, you could just, you know, I'm not trying to (laughs) go home and get into an argument (laughs) later. But, you know, I mean, it's just a simple habit you could form to just shut a cabinet after I mean, exactly, exactly. But, you know, as a married (laughs) couple, I'm sure there are things that we do that frustrate our wives. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. I don't even want to hear what what (laughs) you Yeah. So that adjustment, I think that transition is is a very interesting one. But one added wrinkle, I I guess not Mm -hmm. a wrinkle, but one factor that I think you guys had is the fact that Nadia didn't grow up in the U.S., right? Yeah, she um, she moved to the u.s when she was 10 and she was actually born in brazil yeah Yeah. so were there any cultural things that because by the time you're 10 Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you are already kind of set in your ways in so were there things that you had to any obstacles that you had to overcome um i think not really obstacles but i kind of even still see it today it's just the way in her personality she's Mm. that you know that brazilian personality Mm. where you know, you talk about your feelings, you're very open with one another. Whereas, you know, Americans are kind of closed off in certain ways and, you know, don't bother me, I won't bother you type yeah. thing. Um, so that was definitely different to me. Mm. Um, and everything, you know, she doesn't get upset over many things. She's just so very cool and lax. Interesting. Um, I, I actually see that. It's a very, like, kind of like surfer mentality almost. Like, oh, no, it's all, it's all good. It's okay. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I see. So, so that kind of tripped me out a little bit because, you know, me being, you know, I, I was born and raised, I was born in Korea, but raised in Atlanta. Yeah. There were a lot of things where I was very hesitant on, like, did this upset her? Like, is she upset at me? Is she frustrated? Like, did I right. do something wrong? I don't know if that's just kind of built into us based on our environment, mm. but I had a lot of those issues, um, mm. whereas she was like, no everything's good you know everything's cool <laughs> so she was very open about if she was upset or not right and you yeah, kind of were yeah, able yeah, to yeah, take yeah, it yeah. at face value yeah. wow yeah that is a 
interesting thing because, I mean, I'm I'm assuming you've you dated before you mm-hmm. you met your your cur- I guess your wife. Yeah, I don't want to say current wife because I don't. <laughs> no, I've only been married once. Yeah. Folks. <laughs> and most of my prior dating experiences yeah. has been struggling with the whole. Are you upset? Why are you upset? And them saying, "Well, you should know why I'm upset." If you cared oh, enough, yeah. you know, you know that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that is a. I, I didn't know that was an American thing. I just thought it was. I feel like nature. it's a Korean American thing almost. Oh. Like. You know the whole the nunchi thing, the yeah. sixth sense that everyone's supposed to supposed to magically have. Um, yeah. Because I had a prior to dating Nadia, it was actually a couple relationships before, but uh-huh. I was dating a girl that lived in Korea for a long time, mm-hmm. and man, that was really rough. Like, yeah. There was a lot of that. Uh-huh. You should know why I'm upset. Like I, I have no idea. Yeah. Like you need to just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I see. Yeah. yeah, that combination of nunchi. You know what's interesting? I read an article recently from I forget where I forget where the the news source was, but they were talking about nunchi. Okay. They they titled it the Korean superpower nunchi. I did see that. Right? I saw that somewhere too online. Yeah. 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 And it's for those of you who don't know nunchi. Direct translation would be, dang, what what would be the direct? Like, it has something to do with your eye, I guess. Right, Dun right. is your eye, and chi is like a like an energy, I guess. Yeah. Like, so it's it's being able to perceive things that right. aren't always physical, mm-hmm. right? And the article talked about how Koreans, because they have this nunchi and it's part of their culture, that it actually helps them a, a lot in their career. Mm being able to feel out someone's attitude or someone's position on something kind of innately helps us navigate through, you know, conversations without stepping on anyone's toes and all, all those kind of things. Um, hmm. So th- there is, there are positives of, of, of Nunchi, but the negative downfall side of that is yeah. if someone expects you to have Nunchi, then that's what i'm saying like is having nunchi is that really having a genuine relationship or Mm. you know oh i do have nunchi i know that you're upset Mm. but would it be more of a genuine relationship if you told me that you were upset and we just worked it out right there rather than me trying to tiptoe around the situation right right yeah that's that's interesting i would be interested to know if other people from outside of the korean american community had to deal with this so if you're listening out there and and you, you have any opinions about this, please let us know. Okay, so the whole Brazil thing that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and were th- were there any other issues just in 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 the fact that you're suddenly going from not having known what marriage is about yeah. to going into marriage? Whew. Like like not so much because we already talked about the adjustments mm-hmm. that we make in our lifestyles, but some of the duties that we're expected to do, right? As a husband, mm-hmm. as a provider, and all the, all those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, I think even from the beginning, just how to really, I guess, save money together, mm. your finances. I think finances is a huge part in marriage. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you're dating, you don't really think too much of it. So, oh, you know, I got dinner. Or, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you, you get coffee, I get dinner. It's yeah. fine. Um, but with marriage, it's more okay, this is my paycheck and that's your paycheck. Right. And how we kind of synergize that together, it's, I think it's a huge development in your marriage. Like yeah. it takes time and 
I don't even know if I'm answering the question that you no, asked. No, no, but that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's good. But finances, I think it, it plays a huge factor in your marriage's overall success. Right, yeah. yeah. You know what's funny? When I... I'm just realizing now that I say the phrase, you know what's funny a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What's interesting with <laughs> me and Shirley is when I get a gift from her now, I care more about how cheap it is uh-huh. than how expensive it is. Because mm. when we were dating, right, just the the shallow part of me says, oh, you got me this gift. Wow, it's so expensive. That, that yeah. must mean you love me. But now when she gives me a gift, why is this so expensive? Mm. Like, I'm sure you can yeah, get a cheaper yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. So because the finances are commingled now, mm-hmm. it's my money is your money, your money is my money. Mm-hmm. So it's that that was one of the weird transitions that I had to yeah. kind of go through. Yeah. That and then I think um, our work schedules. We both work retail. Uh, Her family owns uh, beauty supply stores. Mm. So we worked pretty much similar hours, mm. um, but we had completely different day offs. So me uh, being a, you know, you know, American corporate Verizon wireless, you know, company. Yeah. They don't give you set days off. They have to have their coverage. Mm. So you'll get two days off per week. But sometimes those weeks will overlap into the following week. So you'll be off on Tuesday and then you'll work six days until your next day off. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you do get your two days, mm. um, but you don't know when. Mm. And you do know like three weeks in advance. Um, but it still sucks because, you know, being married, being newlywed, especially and not having the same weekend or whatever as your wife and being able to spend time with her um i think that plays a huge factor so i mean if there are people who are considering marriage and have you know different work schedules um that's something you really need to sit down and talk about too because it sucks you you eat dinner by yourself and you know when you're off on a random thursday you just end up playing video games all day and wait for your (laughs) wife to come back home right right (laughs) Do you think that had a factor into your move into the mortgage broker? Yes, huge, huge. Yeah. And is your wife still working? At right the... now, no. Right, because she yeah. has Asher now. I see, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? I said it again. What's <laughs> Un- funny? <Tell> <laughs> <laughs> An interesting observation I made is most married couples uh-huh. that have irregular hours, they do it in the beginning, but almost all of them that I know eventually change their like jobs to get a more steady set schedule okay the couple that comes to mind is at our church Paige and philip yeah yeah they were both very irregular hours Mm -hmm. but they've both made moves Mm. to be more regular so that you have to yeah yeah i think uh that's that's one thing that you do need to consider when you get married is as a single person who cares when you work whatever just make your money Mm -hmm. but when you're married you you it's it sucks to be married and not be able to see your spouse all the time. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want to have them home by themselves either. And yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's you're meant to be together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's let's shift gears and and go into the main topic of conversation that I I wanted to talk to you about today. Because yeah. this is a huge transition that I know you went through in your life. The common thread was music. Mm-hmm. You were a praise team worship leader Mm -hmm. and after that you were in the dj space yeah and they're both music so the transition i guess was is not super tough but the type of music is very different and the type of audience is is vastly different right so can you kind of just walk us through that um when you how you even started you know being a worship leader and how the 
that kind of bled into your or even influenced your uh -huh. decision to go into DJing? Um, so my dad is a worship leader or was a worship leader at mm -hmm. church and he was doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. And um, naturally, I just picked up the guitar and learned how to sing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of just Korean church being a Korean church. Oh, you know how to sing and play guitar. <laughs> you should be the worship leader. Right. And then I think I started to lead worship when i was uh i played the drums in the beginning okay and then the praise leader then he went off to college so i had to step off from the drums and i took the uh guitar and singing right role. um and that was in my senior year of high school mm. um so i led worship uh every sunday for both the youth and sometimes the em at mm -hmm. the time at my church mm -hmm. And uh, what else happened? I led worship at retreats. I think yeah. that's where I met you. Yeah. yeah, I met a lot of the current folks at our church right now at that retreat, right. um, which is crazy how it's, everything comes full yeah. circle. Yeah. Um, but sometime around college, around I think 2012, I was working at a bowling alley. Mm. I was a general man. They gave me the title general manager. Oh, wow. I was like this 20-year-old kid. I didn't care about the job. Yeah. I, I was just the most responsible one, I guess, out of everyone else. Uh -huh. But at this bowling alley on Friday nights, they would have this DJ come in. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of just amazed at what this little machine was able to do, projecting loud sounds. Mm -hmm. And this guy able to mix two different songs into one. And just the type of vibes he was giving out. I, right. you know, just that type of energy just kind of, I don't know. It reeled me in. Mm. Um, but still, I wasn't DJing after that. I just mm. kind of, that was my first exposure to it. Mm. Um, and I think a few years later, um, just things happened at church. Um, people were asking me to, you know, play this type of song, play that type of song. And mm. it kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety. Like, hey, am I... Um, am I the one leading? It, it put me in a very confused state. Like, am I the one leading worship, or am I just doing what people want me to do? Right. Or and I, that kind of threw me back into the past a little bit too, thinking, am I really a worship leader? Or was I just the only one that was capable of playing the guitar and singing? Mm, yeah. Um, am I just a performer that just leads with worship songs? Right. So that's kind of where um, I started questioning a lot of the things, mm. and. Um, at that time, I believe uh, I was like a junior or third year in college. Okay. Um, and, you know, around that age, you start going out with your friends and start having fun. Right. You're kind of at this identity crisis like, well, we got, I got to go to church on Sunday, but it's getting late on Saturday. Yeah. Am I, should I still be going out? And, you know, I did go out. I had fun. Um, and I started to go to these like shows. Um, I guess you would call them like almost concerts. Okay. Um, but they're held at clubs mm -hmm. and there are DJs that are playing their like one hour, two hour sets. Mm. So it wasn't so, it, it completely caught me off guard because the DJ that I saw was just this guy scratching and mixing songs and able to, you know, play at a bowling alley. Mm -hmm. And I saw it in a whole different realm where it was, man, this guy is putting on a show. It's a right. concert. I mean, he's not scratching. He's not mixing. Mm. But he's curating these sounds like, wow, this is... And he's 
getting people to have fun. Mm. It's a massive production. It's a huge show. Right. And I fell in love with that. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, I okay, see. I'm going to DJ. Oh, yeah, wow. Also, yeah, yeah. oh, you just saw it. Did you know the concept? Because I still honestly don't mm-hmm. even really understand the concept of DJing. I, I kind of knew just based off because, you know, at the bowling alley, I was manning the cash register and the mm. DJ guy was literally right next to me oh, DJing. Okay, okay. So I always watched him and observed like what was going on. Mm. So I had a general idea, mm. but it wasn't until I started dating Nadia. Mm. Her sister was gifted like this little DJ controller. I think it's like a hundred bucks. It wasn't oh. something crazy. Okay. But I took that. I borrowed that. Uh-huh. And... I just spent hours and hours and stayed up all night trying to figure out how to move from the one song to the next. And, oh wow, yeah, yeah. wow! So it's just just for the people who are ignorant like me. Uh, as a DJ, what I understand it to be is you're choosing music, you're mm-hmm. choosing songs, and you're coming up with creative ways to transition from one song to another. Is that it? Is there anything else? Um. I mean, that, I think that's the bulk of it. Uh-huh. Um, there are, I guess, just stylistic things uh-huh. that each DJ may have. Um, okay. The genre of music. Uh, but I think you hit it on. on yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay, okay. So then when, because let, let's fast forward a little, a little mm-hmm. bit because you fell in love with DJing yeah. and, the, and the concept of it. But And, and you said, I'm going to be a DJ. Mm-hmm. You actually became a DJ. Yeah. Uh, and you were part of a duo, right? Yeah. What was that duo called? Um, we went by the name of two tones uh-huh. and um the other guy my who's one of my best friends calvin uh-huh. he goes by the stage name kinetic okay uh he's still djing so, oh okay I, mean, I stepped down but he's still djing and yeah that was our little duo yeah, yeah. so uh, tell us about that journey um well even even the fact how did you guys decide you're gonna do it together yeah how you went about djing at these different places so i had never even heard of or met this guy named calvin before then oh um, but I knew he was playing shows. He was DJing. He was already doing what I wanted to do. I see. So I reached out to him. I said, yo, you're a DJ. I'm trying to DJ. Let's let's do this together. Like, mm. teach me teach me some things. And, you know, I, w- I want to meet up. I want to hang out. Mm. I want to just go to your shows. Mm. And uh, that's kind of how it started. Then we became really good friends. Mm. Um, but we entered this contest as a duo to open at a Six Flags show for okay. a pretty famous DJ. Um, DJ Snake. Um, so we actually had the most votes for that contest. We won first place, but we wow. weren't given the the slot to open for that guy. Why? I, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Politics. It is politics. Dang. Oh, but wow, you you guys got the most votes. We had the most votes. Wow. Yeah. So even then, that's when I kind of learned this industry has a lot of politics to it as mm. well. And yeah. Okay, so you then well, just to go back a little bit when you entered this contest mm-hmm. did you have to come up with this curated list of songs and all the transitions and all yeah, that yeah so how long does it take to set up uh, i guess a set um so i think there's two ways of approaching it um some people freestyle mm. they oh, are wow. just they know their songs mm. um they know what they want to play mm. it's just a matter of kind of piecing the puzzle together mm. and other people kind of plan it out um i'm going to play you know, this Calvin Harris song, and mm. then I'm going to transition into this Drake song. Mm. Um, so I started off like that. Mm. I had to write it out. I planned it out so that I wouldn't mess up. Right. I knew exactly how I was going to transition at what beat. 
um, at what tempo, at what key. Um, but eventually, I started doing the whole freestyling thing as well. Huh. Yeah. So you have all the music in front of you and mm -hmm. you're actually deciding on the spot what's going to come next Correct. and all that kind of stuff? And I think that's the true art of DJing. It's wow. vibing with your crowd and uh, knowing what they want I see. and delivering it to them. So then at this Six Flags contest mm -hmm. thing, were you DJing at Six Flags to get the votes or were you... No, we had to just record a mix I and see. upload it and then get votes on that. I see. Um, but yeah, we got robbed on that one. I know. Dang. <laughs> so... But as Two Tones, I'm sure there were other things, other venues that you yeah. guys went to right? yeah, yeah, yeah. and performed at, right? How did you guys go about even seeking those out? Um, it just kind of naturally happened with the whole Six Flags thing. It got mm. a lot of buzz. Oh. So somebody that works at uh, Moondogs, it's a okay. bar in Buckhead, yeah. they reached out to us and said, hey, we want you guys to play on Friday nights. And that wow. was our first offer for a weekly gig. Oh. So we took it. We're like, yeah, of course. Mm. You know, you're going to pay us to do this? Why not? Like, why would we not do this? Right. So we did that. And then, you know, more gigs started just appearing. We were asked to come play here, come mm. play there. The money started getting crazy. Like, wow. two, three hundred, four hundred dollars a night. Wow. Wow. So at this time, are you still leading worship at church or... Was no, I, 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 I just, I had to do one or the other. I knew mm. I couldn't do both. It's mm. just, that's a definitely, uh, for me, it's like that. I, I see. If I'm going to do something, I have to let go of something else. Right. So, yeah. Kind of want to go all in. Yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go all in with that. So how long did you do the weekly shows or nights at Moondogs? Um, at Moondogs, I think we stayed there for about, I want to say like eight months. Wow. Yeah, before we moved to a different venue. Wow. So because Moondogs, someone at Moondogs heard you guys on the Six Flags yeah. contest thing, they said, we like these guys. Yeah. They hired you guys. So you yeah. were playing every Friday night? Every Friday night. Wow. Yeah. And did you guys do anything in between or was it just kind of that? So we had just one show and then it eventually became Friday and Saturday. Okay. So we had another venue on Saturdays that we would play at. Wow. Um, so we were playing twice a week. Um, so eight times a month. Mm. Yeah. And was that someone who heard you and reached out to you? Same again? thing, yeah. Wow. So was there ever a situation where you had to go ask a venue if you could perform? Or is it usually the other way around? I think it should be the other way around. I mean, there are times when if you see a new venue and you want to jump in mm. and you want to be like the first to play there, mm. you might reach out. Yeah. But I think it's a, if it's a well-established venue, they yeah. should be the ones reaching out. I see. Yeah. And did you at any point, because I know... I'm sure the kind of DJing arena is a mm -hmm. is not huge, right? Were you beginning to be recognized and stuff like that by other DJs or, or just people? Yeah, we were, and um, it it like you said, it is pretty small, mm. so you know everybody in it, mm. and like this goes back to the whole politics thing. Like, hey, you're you're taking up my my Friday night now. Like, you're oh, taking wow. my gig. Mm. And I'm supposed to be playing there. Now you're playing there. So you're literally taking money away from someone else, essentially, oh, by wow. having more gigs. So there is a community of DJs, but mm. I would say it's not the most thriving and, you know, people-friendly mm. community. Because yeah. it's, if you, the bigger your slice of pie, my slice gets smaller yep. kind of thing. Mm. I see. Wow, that's pretty, was it kind of cutthroat in that industry? I think it is, and I think it still is to oh. this day, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So then, as, as you and your partner, were there any issues being a... Because when I think of a DJ, I don't, 
understand i guess i don't know enough i don't understand how uh like two people would work together mm -hmm. it would have to be pretty seamless for for the sound to be good right like yeah you guys would have to work really well with each other yeah 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 were there any challenges in being a duo instead of a solo act um i think i mean just the fact that you have someone else that you could rely on too that mm. you know hey man i gotta use the restroom can you, you can take oh, over for a while like, you know you, that that would happen a lot mm. Whereas if you're if you're by yourself, man, you're not using the restroom from ten o'clock till probably three a.m. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, you're right. It takes a lot of um, practice, and your style has to mesh together and blend very well mm. for that to work. Because mm. you can't have one guy that's playing, you know, strictly one genre and another guy, and hope that it just works out and blends together very well. Right. It's, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I see. Um, but yeah, I think um, just being a duo. Um, it took a lot of pressure off of each other. Like mm. you're not the only one that has to bear all that weight. Like, yeah. you know, especially with the politics too. Like, Hey, I got your back. Like, right. Like, right. Wow. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. So camaraderie was mm -hmm. very important. Right. And can I ask you a little bit about how your just general lifestyle changed going from, you know, worship leader yeah. to like DJing at the, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. at bars, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would be honest, like, as soon as we started picking up the Saturday gigs, mm. I stopped going to church on Sundays. Mm. Um, when I was doing just the Fridays, I was still able to make it to church. Mm. Um, but how my lifestyle changed, um, the way I dressed definitely changed. Mm. And I'm kind of dressed in, like, dad gear now, <laughs> but, you know, I think the, the DJ outfit was, like, the black V-neck and sneakers and hat. Oh. Like, just, you, you want to look cool, whatever. But right. um, longer nights... You miss out on a lot of things. You, I mean, it seems like you're always out having fun and socializing, mm. but you miss out on a lot of your friends' big events. Mm. Um, you miss out on time with your family. Uh, you know, if my friends are having a birthday party at this bar, yeah. but I'm DJing at this bar. You can't go to I that I can't bar. go. Yeah, right. A lot of FOMO. Right. Um, a lot of alcohol. Mm. Um I mean, yeah. Does it just come with the territory? Like I think it does, man. I mm. really think it does. Cuz is it just that you're in that bar environment and everyone you else You just want to take the edge off a little um mm. especially, you know, if you're playing in a new place and you don't know this crowd mm. and it's the first time you're there, you could be nervous, you know. Right, right. I see. Wow. So you went from leading worship to kind yeah. of being entrenched in it's this complete whole party. 180, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So but it wasn't it wasn't even like I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm just turning my back. It was more like I have to adapt to my environment now. Mm. It's not like I threw everything away and decided, hey, you know, right, you know, screw the church. I'm just going to leave church and just go do this thing. It wasn't so much that. It was, mm. I think I'm just more of a musical nerd that mm. just kind of picked up on something that's seen as a very socially, you know, you know, what do you call it? Like a social, well, something a social butterfly would do, like DJ. Oh, I'm, you know, pumping up the crowd and I'm right. having fun. But, it wasn't like that. I think I'm just more of a nerd that mm. picked up on something. Yeah. Mm. Then let me just ask you, like personally, uh -huh. because this this may not apply to everybody. Because you know, alcohol can be a very slippery slope, right? Mm -hmm. There's people out there battling mm -hmm. alcoholism and all that kind of stuff, and you know, that's influenced by environment, even your genetics, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, right? But just for you personally, yeah. do you regret kind of being in that? lifestyle stage or do you think it was worth it to kind of experience that 
whole new area of music that you love so much? Um, I don't regret it. I mm. mean, I think I regret a lot of the money that I spent for <laughs> sure, uh-huh. but um, I learned a lot from being in that space mm. that, you know, just because you're not within the four walls of a church doesn't make you, you know, a bad person, which was kind of what I was taught mm. as a kid. Like, mm. if you don't go to a church, if you're not there on Sundays, and if you don't put your money in the offering basket, you're not a good person. Right, right. Um, so that was kind of drilled into me mm. as a child. And when I left the church and found that, you know, hey, there's really good people out here too. They just don't go to church. Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of a shocker. Like, hey, these are genuinely good folks, good-hearted people. Right. Um, you know, just not in the atmosphere and environment of a you know, Judeo-Christian church. Right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah. that, that is true that we do have this weird theology of goodness can only exist within the four walls yeah. of the church sometimes. And that definitely is not biblical. That is uh-huh. that is very incorrect. So oh, so it kind of opened your eyes to that. And it definitely being able to see. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, see, yeah. I see, I see. I met a lot of great friends who I still talk to today. Mm. Um and even the partner that I DJed with, he was the best man at my wedding. Mm. Um, so yeah, I learned a lot from just being out there. I mean, socially, you know, I'm definitely an extrovert. Mm. Um, I do have my introverted moments where, you know, I just have to be by myself too. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I It's kind of tough even to say, but these people that I met through DJing and just in the music realm, they've done more for me that I can say than, you know, people I've met in the church. Mm, I see. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. And these are people that that you still talk to. And you mentioned mm-hmm. how your partner still DJs, yeah. right? You want to give him a shout out? Does he? Yeah, I mean, he might be listening to this. Yeah. I don't know, Kelvin. <laughs> but, um, you know, you've been a crazy part of my life and um taught me a lot of things uh you've been a big brother at times as well when i needed you to be there i hope you're doing well i hope the gigs are still flourishing and that you make even more money and have more success and just keep doing your thing wow yeah that was nice i like that (laughs) i can tell that came from the heart and then so the transition because you're you're not djing anymore right Mm -hmm. How did that, uh, did you, was it a just the gigs dried up so you just stopped doing it? Or was it a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to DJ anymore because X, Y, Z reasons? Um, so when Nadia and I got engaged, that's mm. when I slowly kind of removing myself from the scene. Mm. You know, as we're preparing for marriage and our wedding and all that, um, I was kind of slowly backing away. Um, but I also had this feeling that so, so Kelvin, the other DJ, he's yeah. he's blown up tremendously. Like he's mm. playing at huge places now. Like he's opening for celebrity DJs now that come wow. through to Atlanta for shows. Wow. Um, but I, I had a feeling that was going to happen. Mm. So I kind of wanted to even remove myself before that happened because I knew if that was were to happen and I'm still involved, mm. there's no way out. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I mean it'd be too enticing, right? Definitely, money would money, be much. Yeah. You could probably just have that as an income source, right? I think that's his plan too. I mean, wow. we've been—he's been doing it for a full, I think, seven years now, mm. and he's about to quit his nine to five soon too. Wow. I think pursue that fully. Yeah. Wow. So then, let me ask you. That's that's an interesting point that you brought up because 
those all sound like good things, mm-hmm. right? Recognition, yeah. money, and all that. Why did you feel the need to pull yourself out before that came? Just knowing who I am and knowing what my struggles are, that I mm-hmm. knew if I stayed longer, I wasn't going to be able to get out of this lifestyle. Mm. Um, so so yeah. what, what parts of the lifestyle do you think you needed to remove from your life? Just, I mean, first and foremost, the alcohol. Mm. Um, there's a lot of drinking involved. Mm. And sometimes it's so bad to the point that all the money that you made at the gig, you spend it on alcohol there. So the they, just, they just made money and they got you to play for free. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, I think that's a big thing. Um, and you're just kind of exposed to more things, I think. Like there's a lot of substance abuse around you that mm. you see openly. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to mention names or anything like that. But right, you'll, right. See, you'll see your friend who you know has a girlfriend and he's, you know, with other girls. Mm. Um, you know, but to each their own. Like, I mean, that's not for me to judge and whatnot, but it's not an environment that I wanted to see myself in. You know, I see. entering my 30s and entering this marriage with my wife as well. Right. And, and now being a father yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, okay, so mm-hmm. you took all, kind of, although there are many great things about DJing, there were a lot of, well, there were negative things that mm-hmm. you yourself knew, just knowing yourself, yeah. you needed to get out of. Yeah, so yeah. you slowly kind of started extracting yourself from, from that scene. And when was, when was kind of the defining line of, I am a DJ to I am no longer a DJ? Uh... Man, this is going to hurt my pride to say this, but um, after we got married, we were on our honeymoon. I was like, hey, do you mind if I pick up a few more gigs? Like, I mean, it's going to it's gonna help help pay bills and uh-huh. it's just extra income for us. Yeah. So I bought, I went and bought new equipment as well. Uh-huh. And I was able to recoup the money for the equipment at least, but um, I didn't want to jump into my partner's shadow either again because mm. this is something he built up right so i'm not gonna just go and you know take his spotlight and just go back to two tones you know he's doing his own thing as kinetic like right i need to leave him be uh-huh. so i started to try to you know get my own shows which i did uh-huh. i had a couple here and there but man the people did not respond to it as much as i thought they would uh. and you know it wasn't really um working out for me in I terms see. of the audience or the type of venue I wanted to play at. So mm. eventually I just said, Hey, you know what? It's time. Like, it's a natural yeah. exit point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Well, at least, at least you uh, <laughs> recoup the, the cost of the, yeah. the equipment. Yeah. I yeah. See. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I, I think that just happens when you're, especially in music, yeah. when you're out of the scene for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard to kind of jump back yeah. in and then expect the, the kind of same recognition mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff that you had before. Yeah. I see. So, For sure. so Nadia was okay with you kind of pick, picking up a few more gigs after. So after this is the, what I mean by the whole Brazil thing. Like, uh, it's like, are you sure it's okay for me <laughs> to do this? Like, are you are you positive? Like, you have no issues with this? Uh-huh. She she had no issues with it. Oh, uh, I see. Um, and she she came to a lot of my gigs, so mm. I'm definitely thankful for that. Um, so she's gotten to witness a whole lot of changes out of me and transitions. Mm. I think our entire time together, all I've done was transition to different things and morph into a different person. And I don't know how she's still with me. But. Mm. <laughs> wow, wow. So, yeah, I, I think we covered a lot of what I want to talk about, the the transitions yeah. that I saw in you. Um, I think one of the reasons why you do them so well is because you know what to give up. 
you know when you know there are things that are good but you look at the whole picture and say these things are bad so i need to give that up so i'm going to transition from it mm. um, I, I think that was true with verizon because it's very enticing to stay in a job that gives you great benefits and steady paycheck and yeah. all that but being able to recognize the potential of the future and the negative aspects of your current state and being able to move forward i think that's a very good skill to have I, a lot of people don't have that me included i don't i'm very bad at that i'm terrible at that in fact so i think yeah that's that's good to know for the listeners as well i think it's important to note that transitions aren't always a bad thing mm. in, in your case they've mm. been mostly positive and it's because you were able to recognize oh now is the time to move on because these reasons and however enticing and tempting the good things may be i understand the negative aspects of the bad things and the damage that they can do so i'll move on mm. so because it's really hard to balance that out when, yeah. when you see the steady paycheck is so big and like the the bad schedule like because in early in the marriage it's not a huge deal but i think you recognize that over time it could become mm. a very mm -hmm. damaging thing um so Wow, thank, thank you yeah. for the insight into all those things. I, I didn't even know those insights. I didn't even <laughs> consider those transitions being you know, such a big pivotal role. In, you know. mm. Yeah, but I, because you went through it, yeah. we were able to learn from it. Yeah. So we really appreciate that. Uh, we're, we're just around at the 55-minute mark, and this is usually where I uh, ask the guest if there was any part of what we talked about that we missed out on, anything that you wanted to add on. Um. And, and the reason I do this also is because, you know, this is your story. Yeah. And I only really came up with my list of questions mm -hmm. and all that based off of what I knew. But if there are parts of your story that you feel like we didn't represent, no, no, no. I think it's important to, to get your, your feedback on. Um, I mean, just kind of for all the listeners that are kind of debating. I know your podcast is about like, hey, you should go for your passions and do this yeah. and that. Yeah. So. I want to say, you know, I went from my regular old nine to job to something I was passionate about mm. and back to a regular job. Mm. So I've kind of done that full circle almost. And what I want to tell folks is that it's not so much just the passion that you should follow. It's mm. just sharpen what skills you have and that'll carry over into any sort of realm that you step into. Wow. Um, so that passion will just come to you. Mm. You know, I was good at talking to people. Um, I'm good at, you know, socializing with people and just client management now. Mm. So all those skills are in line with what I do and everything else just is a byproduct of that for me. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm good at this. So this job came to me. Mm. I'm also good at this. So the DJing opportunity came to me. Mm, I'm right. good at client management. So the mortgage opportunity came to me. Right. So I'm just kind of just living my own life. Mm. Um, and I hope the listeners, you know, don't get it twisted that you shouldn't, you know, follow your dream or your passion, but whatever you want to pursue, just, you know, hone your skills first and everything mm. else will follow. Oh, that's so good. I love that. And that, that actually uh, reflects something John Song said when he was on, I want to say two, three episodes uh -huh. ago. He also said, master your craft. Mm. He's, his direct phrase was master your craft in the name of Jesus or master your craft in your realm in the name of Jesus. Wow. Is, is what he said. And I, I actually, that was like really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. He also talked about how, uh, I think kind of similar to you, it's not always about just doing it, mm -hmm. but being good at it yeah. is very important. So 
yeah yeah in your case being good at it just present it life just presented you with opportunities because yes, you had this correct set. Yeah. so do you think if you didn't have those skill sets for example with your mortgage broker if you didn't have that client relationship management skill already do you think if you were presented with that opportunity you would be in a different place right now like did having that skill set beforehand help you or do you yeah think- i think having the skill set helped it's like I know I can do this. Mm. I mean, it might take time, but I know I can do this. So I'll, I'll take the chance and mm. do it. Um, if I wasn't so you know well-versed in that sort of skill, yeah, I would definitely think twice whether or not I want to leave my comfortable job. I see. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. So it's, it's having that skill beforehand, even before yeah. the opportunity is given to you is a, is a good thing to yeah, have. Just kind of be prepared, mm. you know, and opportunities will come. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, Thank you so much for coming on. Um, this was you. a really insightful conversation. I hope it was, yeah. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for being open and just honest about all things. Um, and we're actually going to go grab lunch with our with our wives and our kids soon. Yeah. So uh, let me just close this out real quick. Uh, if, you, if anything resonated with you guys today or if you had any questions, any sort of feedback that you wanted to give to me or Danny, formerly of Two Tones, uh, <laughs> Feel free to email me at ihthtpodcast at gmail.com. That's I hope they hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter, the same same name, ihthtpodcast or on Instagram at I hope they hear this. Also, find the video of this podcast on YouTube. I believe if you just <laughs> there you go. If you if you just search, I hope they hear this episode 54. This is episode 54. Then you'll be, uh, yeah, you sh- it should pop up. Uh, the videos are usually uploaded on Wednesdays. So keep an eye out for that. Subscribe, like, do all those <laughs> things. Um, and, and thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.